Good morning, everybody. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hey. It's been a while since I've been up here, you know. My name is Brad. I'm sort of kind of an honorary minister here. Um, I helped start this church. I was here for about nine years and then got kicked off of staff by uh, Josh and Leslie in January. They said I was unbecoming of a minister, you know. Uh, they cited my dirty hands as one of the main reasons for that. So I decided to become a mechanic and that's what I've been doing most recently. Actually, no, I'm, I'm one of the ministers of our Shell Corporation uh, called DFW Metro Family of Churches. All right. So I'm kind of like their minister, which doesn't really mean anything, um, but I'm the only one, so that's kind of cool. Uh, I lead the cohort, which is uh, basically a group of people who've committed for a semester uh, to lead um, in ways that, uh, that are not unlike being basically an apprentice minister. It's actually pretty easy to do, considering you know the both of the, our uh, cohorts are gone today. So like easy to sign up for and just never come to church. Uh, totally fine. Just kind of plug in that for you. Um, the cohort, though, is like a ministry training program. We also have two classes called College of Ministry, um, Old Testament Foundations, New Testament Foundations, and then next semester we'll be doing Christian history um, and also doing a, a class on reconstructing our faith. So that's just a short plug about that for those of you who are interested uh, in kind of continuing education for ministry. We meet in Carrollton. It's uh, with the other churches in our networks. We have five other churches and it's a pretty cool uh, gig, so um, encourage you. We'll be doing signups for that here pretty soon. So um, I'm here today to kind of end this uh, series on gospel stories. I'm not one that's for like conclusions and that kind of thing, but I really did have something I wanted to say, and rather just give another story. I wanted to kind of conclude with just some really quick final thoughts. Okay. And I say quick, one, because I'm not one to sit through sermons very long, so I don't want to be hypocritical and preach to you too long. Plus, it's like 61 degrees in here. Um, so it's probably a good idea to kind of get moving fairly fast. Uh, I mean, it's freezing. Like, are you all so cold? Yeah, right? I don't know. We don't seem to have any control over that. Um, it reminds me of sleeping uh, in my bedroom. So as long as I've been married to my wife, we've been married for eight or nine years. I can't remember. And um, she's always wanted the temperature at 63, which is insane, right? But with this whole, like, summer heat thing and us having to turn our temps, somehow we figured out that you can use a different blanket, and now our temperature is at 69, which we think is a little bit more reasonable. But for years, it was 63. That's exactly what it feels like to me right here and now, uh, is sleeping in my bed. I, I'd be so cold at night, I wouldn't even want to get up to use the restroom. I'd be like, i got to get up. It's going to be really cold. Just wait until uh, the morning when I had sort of had to get up. My goodness, do you guys need to do something real quick? Like stand up or like a little bit of this or that or run, running place? No, you're fine? Just move on? Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, guys, we love stories, okay? I mean, humans love stories, but we really love our stories, whether it's TVs, books, theater, whatever. We're kind of obsessed with stories, all right? And I've kind of tried to ask myself, you know, I'm a sociologist and so, you know, want to know trends and why people do the things that they do and all that good. Why is it that we are so obsessed with stories? I think, and this is my, my theory, I'm going to suggest it to you, I think most of us are so obsessed with stories because we don't feel like we belong in a larger story, all right? And so interacting with stories, whether they're Marvel stories or books or I'm watching Better Call Saul, whatever, we get to be a part of a story for a time. 
And then we just move on to the next story, the next story, the next story. And I think some of that obsession is because we do not feel a part of a larger story. Okay? People throughout the ages have had stories that they've been told over and over and over again that involved them, that explained meaning and purpose for them, that explained the significance of their lives and the lives of other people. And we don't have much of that anymore. You might have a personal story, maybe a family story, maybe even a story of a nationality or ethnicity, but even that is pretty modern. Most of us don't know maybe our great-grandparents and their history, or maybe great-great-grandparents. We don't have a very long memory. And I'm going to use the term history and story as kind of interrelated, uh, almost kind of exchange the two, uh, because they kind of are related, all right? Our history, our story. I'm not talking about stories in terms of fables. I'm talking about history, stories, uh, things that kind of make sense of our experience. But I don't think many of us find ourselves a part of a story, okay? So we run to all these stories uh, to kind of make up for it, all right? And uh, I mean, gosh, we're so obsessed with stories, we created a multiverse, right? So not only can we have stories in this reality, we can have stories in other realities. And one story is not enough, we'll have another story that's different from that story. I mean, we really are obsessed uh, with finding ourselves in these stories. Okay? But the irony is that uh, we do all have a story, okay? a shared history, whether that's at the level of humankind, what does it mean to be human, whether it's a story of modern man and woman, where did we, how did we get here, what's going on? And don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that everybody's story is the same. That's partly what this most recent movement of what's called postmodernism uh, has done for us, is it's helped us recognize that a lot of the narratives out there were narratives of uh, the sort of majority dominant group and didn't take into account all of these other smaller narratives of people who weren't well represented. That's a good trend. We want to encourage that. That's very important, right? But all of us do have some kind of story, some kind of history. Uh, But we often ignore it. Many of us are not big history buffs. We don't know a lot about how things came to be. Okay? Some of that's because as maybe Americans, we tend to like just the sort of newness, the future, maybe history of like the last decade. We like the did cultural generations, you know? Maybe every now and again we'll go as far back as the 80s and listen to 80s music all of a sudden all over again. But our memory is pretty short-term. We don't really uh, often understand stories. We kind of ignore them. It's a little bit like uh, white people, some white people today, ignoring the stories of people of color. Just ignore them. Not my experience, not my story. Ignore stories. Or maybe secular social activists, many of which who have completely forgotten how Christianity has shaped a lot of reform in our society today. We just ignore it. We ignore history. We ignore other people's stories. Or we try to manipulate it, like Texas history books (laughs) or science books. (laughs) Right? So we ignore it. We manipulate it. Uh, But I think worst of all is when we start trying to create our own stories. Okay? We write our own little fictions. But our attention span isn't really that long, so we tend to focus more on beginnings and ends. Like the romance movie that like 
follows the, you know, amazing couple. They're getting together, and then all of a sudden they get married, and the story is done, like as if that was the best years of their being a couple. We like beginnings, okay? Either beginnings are boring, they excite us, whatever else. Uh, and we like endings, you know, love or hate. It's the whole, I'm watching Better Call Saul, and the whole idea of the show is it's talking about the ending of his life. And I'm not giving anything away because I don't know. I haven't seen the last episode. Please don't tell me. Um, I have heard, though, he gets called up into the second heaven. Uh, so that's exciting. Just kidding. That was a really terrible joke that nobody got. Um, but the whole idea is an ending of his life, how things went from bad to worse. And we like that. You know, it's probably why a lot of us like crime shows. It's because we're like, oh, man. You know, if I would have done any of the things that I wanted to do and followed the instincts, I'd have been end up like this guy in jail or, you know, uh, dead or whatever else. We like the beginning. We like the end. Uh, but we often don't pay attention to the middle of the story. But, guys, we all live in the middle of a story. We are in the middle of, so- of the story. Okay? The middle is the crazy part. It's the tension. It's the unknown. It's the hidden stuff around the corner. It's the choices that we make that will come back and around. It's the middle of the story. Some of us tend to think we're at some beginning point. We're not beginning anything. We're not ending anything. Okay? We are in the middle of a story, a larger story. Whatever you want to think about that, whatever that, that means to you, we are in the middle, the middle part, the middle part of the movie where you're sort of wondering with a foreshadowing the what's going to happen at the end trying to connect it to the beginning of what happened. We are in the middle. And so as Christians, I think we have to remember our place in the story. Okay? We have been given a story, the story of God and how he created us, how he's moving in the world, the mission that he gave us, which is to take care of this earth, to take care of the people in it, and has given us a vision For the end of this story, which is all people, all tribes, all nations, all tongues coming together, unified, praising God, without pain, but we're in the middle of that story, a story that is unfolding every day. And just because I had a terrible week this week, okay, doesn't mean that I'm not still part of a much bigger story that other people are walking with me on, experiencing different things, a part of it, we are in the middle of that story. And that's exciting, but if we're not living out of it, we get into a lot of trouble with forgetting where we're from, feeling like we're not belonging, seeing we don't have a purpose. One of the biggest problems we have with a lot of stories that we watch and see is we watch them for entertainment purposes. And that's not necessarily bad. I mean, entertainment's good. The problem is that most people throughout the ages, stories weren't a means of entertainment for them. They were a means of making sense of the world around them, telling them who they are and what they're here for. Now, the irony is we get that from movies too, and that's a bad thing. <laughs> we don't want a whole lot of movies and TV shows informing us on who we are or what we should be, although we, that happens. But we don't see stories primarily like that. We don't experience them like that. Okay. But the story of God definitely tells us where we've been, where we're going, and gives us meaning for the life that we live. And you know what? At the end of the day, and I just wrote this one down because I wanted to repeat it, mostly because Leslie's not here. It's a really damn good story. All right? And thankfully, it's true, unlike most of the myths and fables that we 
uh, tend to believe and talk about and live out of. So, okay, this is a really cool idea that we live in a story, but how do we get there? How does that even make sense? Uh, let me give you three practicals, and then I'll be done. Okay? Number one, guys, is we need to read Scripture as a story, not a manual. Most of the Scripture is narrative. This is not the Quran we're reading, okay? The Quran is great for giving you information about how to live, how to behave, but it is not a story. The Bible is a story from beginning to end. It is not a technical manual on how to live life. It is not an organizational manual on how to do church. It is not a personal you know, um, manual on how to be a good Christian. It is a story, the story of God creating the world and interacting with the people he created. And this is part of the reason a lot of us have lost sense of the Old Testament is because we're not willing to read the scripture as a story. It's a story. It fits together. We don't take bits and pieces of it out and then obsess or focus on it to the neglect of the entire thing. As we're reading through all these Old Testament stories, it gets difficult to kind of you know, figure out, what, what are we doing right now? Did that guy just call down 42, uh, or just call down bears to maul 42 kids? <laughs> what just happened? Like, that's part of the story. And many of us are embarrassed of the details of the story because we read them with modern eyes. And we read them in a way that makes no sense of what the story itself is communicating. We've just decided we're going to take this story and decide what we think it means and make sense of it. That is not how to read the scripture, believe it or not. Okay? A lot of bad things have happened, kind of like slavery, uh, out of people misreading the story of scripture. So we need to read scripture as a manual. One of the things I recommend for this is reading uh, from the message. The message is really helpful. For those of you who don't know, Eugene Peterson, uh, a, a pastor and minister and theologian up in, in Northwestern, uh, he's, he's passed since, but he wrote a, a version of the Bible that's very much in modern vernacular, modern terminology. So reading the message can be very helpful. I think people have gotten this idea that the message is like not really the Bible. It's just like someone's like, you know, kind of paraphrase of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty good, it's pretty, pretty, pretty accurate, pretty helpful in terms of understanding the scripture. But we got to read it uh, as a story, okay? Meaning that it's not about entertaining. We're not there to be entertained by biblical stories. I don't know if any of you really read the Bible to be entertained. Um, if you do, you may have other issues that we need to talk through. But we find meaning and purpose in the things that we read. And we've got to be very careful about reading. Guys, just because something is told to us doesn't mean, and this is particularly true of Old Testament narrative, that it's right. Just because someone did something doesn't mean that it was right. Okay? Too many of, of our Sunday school teachers taught kids about you know, basic biblical stories, and some of those stories are kind of bad. Not a great Sunday school story to teach, all right? Uh, but it was given to us uh, so that we could understand what God expects of us and what he's been doing. So read the scripture as a story, not a manual. The second one is you have to see the meta-narrative. I'm so glad everybody's using the word meta now because for a long time, meta-narrative was a theological term that was just sort of like dorky, nerdy, no one understood it. But now I think we can all understand it. Meta-narrative means that the entire scripture we can see on three different levels. One is the individual story of what's going on. Two is the story of Israel and what God is doing in these various commitments he makes to a people group, which is just weird. 
and the meta-narrative of the overarching story of what God has been doing from beginning until the end. And if we get caught up on any one of those levels, well, really on the bottom two levels, and don't see the larger narrative, we really misunderstand what God is doing and have a real tough time finding our place amidst it. Okay? Um, Yeah, I mean, this kind of works for us too. We have a tendency to, uh, I think, miss our own story at these three levels. We tend to think, what's happening to me? Maybe what's happening in culture but fail to figure out what God is doing all around us. Many of us want to see God working, and we want it to be really clear. Guys, if you don't know how God works in the Scripture, how do you expect that you would even recognize God's work? If you don't know how he already did what he did, what's, how are you going to automatically recognize God working when you don't even know the basics of how he works? So we want to see God work, and that's really great. But let's go back and figure out from the scripture how he has worked, particularly through Jesus, and we'll get a better sense of how he's working in our world today and where the story is leading. Number three, and this is probably the most important of all, God, we, guys, we are in a time that's really exciting in this story. Because in the Old Testament, trying to talk to God was very difficult. Okay, there was all these, all these mediators In the New Testament, we had Jesus, that's great, really exciting, but that's very limited because he can only kind of talk to so many people. God has given us the Holy Spirit to remind us of who Jesus is, and it's that same Holy Spirit we need to ask consistently, show us the unseen stuff, the stuff behind the scenes, show me how God's working, train me in in seeing him. Help me see and ask the Holy Spirit to help us see how we're part of that larger story. That's what the Spirit is supposed to do. That's what Jesus tells us. He's going to come so he'll guide you in all the truth, showing you where you're at in this story uh, and how you're a part of what God is doing. And that's incredibly, incredibly exciting. But we got to ask the Holy Spirit to help us just live in the middle of this story, to recognize where we're at, to not get caught up with the beginnings and the endings, to not get obsessed with all the stories around us, but to really see our place in this larger story of what God is doing. I don't normally, or I don't think our church normally does this, but because I have a tendency to preach sermons that are uh, unintelligible, I'll give like a five-minute, if we can, Q&A. We're ending pretty early anyway. Do you guys have any questions about what I just talked about? Uh, If not, great, we'll end. Um, Yeah. Sure, yeah. I mean, one of the, the most, I think, probably difficult but important point places is just the, the, the books of the Pentateuch, the actual, you know, history, uh, the first five, and then the Deuter- Deuteronomical, can't ever say it, history of Kings and Samuel. Sorry, the question was, how do we actually see God work in the Scripture? Where do we go to do that? It's obviously a hard question in the sense that the entire Bible is really God working. But I think there are two places that are particularly helpful, and it's that uh, the original history of Israel— um, number one. And then if you want to hear more of a God, how does he speaking and what is he saying, listening to the prophets are really important. Yeah? But of course, remember, New Testament, Jesus gives us the best example, best, um, yeah, well, best model of who God is and how he works. 
And so Jesus makes sense of all that's gone on before and all that will go on in the future. So he gives us the best sense of how God works. And that's why the Old Testament is so important in meshing those two together. Yeah, so the question is just sort of, um, yeah, we don't read the scripture as uh, just a manual. We read it primarily as a story. So what are some examples of bad things in the Old Testament? Oh, man, there's so many. Uh, I feel like if there's one thing the Old Testament does is it shows us how not to act and not to relate with other people, right? Um, Yeah, there's a lot. So I think, well, let me just give you one example that's on my mind. You know, people feel like King Saul gets a bad rap for being the first king. Like, what did he really do? Did he just, like, you know, keep a couple extra trophies, and then that's where God rejected him? But what they don't recognize is before that, Saul basically goes and acts as priest, and because Samuel is slow in coming uh, to, uh, you know, to show up. And so a lot of people, they don't recognize that's a huge deal. That is what sealed his deal. You know, God set aside the priests to do a very specific function. And when this king decided he was going to do something that God had not ordained him to do, you know, wasn't his function, God rejected him. You know, the nice thing for us is that now we are all priests, which is really amazing. God has, this isn't some small group of people anymore that are, pre- that are priests. We are all priests, which is an amazing concept. But you don't really get the sense of that unless you know kind of what's happening in the Old. But there are so many stories in the Old Testament um, of people doing things that they shouldn't be doing. Um, so if you want to talk to me personally, I will give you, I'll probably rattle off 10 just right now. Uh, so just talk to me after. Maybe one more? Yeah. Failing to see a life circumstance that it re- applies to you. Okay, so the example is, uh, so the question is, how do I reframe something from the kind of biblical story, biblical perspective that I didn't recognize, you know, sort of at first? I think the biggest thing for us is, I'm not going to say it's a specific example, because that would be hard to come up with on the spot. I think the harder one for many of us is that we um, basically live as if there is no God, and live as if God isn't uh, actively interested in our affairs that puts it a little bit selfishly, but, um, and so we, we do things, we go off doing things, expecting God not to act, um, and not waiting on him, not, uh, uh, you know, seeking counsel from God, maybe not even seeking counsel from each other, and so I think that for most of us is kind of our biggest, really it's a sin, but it's, we just tend to act apart from, you know, God, but the entire scripture is Israel acting over and over and over again uh, without waiting on God. Uh, and or forgetting the things that God had done in their lives and seeking out quick fixes. And uh, so I, I think that helps maybe a little bit, but I, I can't think of a real specific story. So I'm going to close this with the prayer, guys. And then if you have any other questions, please feel free to come and ask me after. Lord God, we thank you so much for including us in your story, for creating this world, uh, for doing what you've done up to this point, and for giving us life in you.
Lord, help us take our passion uh, as a culture, as people, for stories, and be better storytellers for you, to glorify you, to tell the story of the gospel, of a God who loves and cares for us and for other people and expects us to take care of the world and take care of the people around us. We love you, God. You're good. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Um, we have a few announcements for you guys this morning, and then the worship team's going to come do a bonus song because we have time. So just a couple things. The first is just that we have the men's breakfast this next Saturday. So if, yeah. So if you're a dude and you are free next Saturday, please join us. Um, free breakfast. And we'll get to hear a little bit of a devotion from one of our leaders, and we'll just get to mostly hang out and eat breakfast together. So please don't miss that. Details behind me here. Take a picture if you uh, have a chance real quick. And then um, our small groups, our adult small groups, started this past week. So if you're not in focus and you really want to be a part of an adult small group, please come find me and we can get you connected to one. Um, that's one of the things that, you know, we only have so much time here on Sunday mornings to get a chance to talk to each other, to live life next to each other, to ask about how things are doing, to point each other to Jesus. And so small groups are a huge, huge part of our whole strategy, getting to live together and discuss how to follow Jesus together. And so please don't miss out on this. It's one of the big, big things about our community if you are not in focus. And if you're in focus, you have that in core. And so that's something that we stole from you guys. Um, the next thing is just that we have next weekend as well, the Spark Social, or Spark, what's it called this time? Uh, Spark Monthly Hangout. Um, Plache, do you trust me to talk about this, or do you want to come give a spiel again? Okay, nice. Love it. Um, so this is something that we don't want to miss. Basically, if you are in the stage of life, post-college, within the first basically 15 years <laughs> out of college, um, this is what this, these kind of events are for. So if you hear the word spark and you see uh, slides that look like this, I think they kind of use the same design each time, which is fine with me, um, then these are specifically designed for you and to help people in this stage of life have uh, relationships across our family of churches. You may be someone who's got it all figured out, but a lot of people in your stage of life do not. And so you can help befriend people like that and help them through stuff. But also you may have questions and thoughts and wondering how to follow Jesus in this stage of life. And that's what this is designed for, to put people who are in the stage of, you know, 20s and 30s next to each other and be able to allow them to, to just live and hang out and make relationships and point each other to Jesus. So please don't miss that. It'll be a rotating uh, kind of deal over the next few months where it sounds like each month that they have a hangout, it'll be at a different church. This one's at Garland, which is the OG church in our family of churches. Um, but yeah, put that info down. Don't miss it if you can make it. Um, it's every, all the events that I've been to, uh, have, I've been worth my time for sure. So I have not regretted going to them. And I think that is it. Worship team, you guys want to come back up? I'll say a short prayer. Lord, thanks so much for this chance to get together and uh, hear from Brad and hear about the story that we're part of. And Lord, I just ask that you would help us to really reframe our lives in that way and uh, actually put you as the main character of that story and um, frame our lives as what well, we can be part of what you're doing. Thanks so much. Here I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.